Hello and welcome to another edition of Spotlight, the Star Trek podcast from a non-Trekky perspective. My name is Liam Dempsey. I'm joined by my usual co-host, Matt Book Brothers. Hello, everybody. And Paul Wilson Morris, who I couldn't come up with a special name for. I suppose grudge is taken by you. Liam Grudge. Literally, I mean, we've got Wilson Cruz, but that's not a character name. <laughs> I'll take Cruz. <laughs> so, if you haven't gathered already, listeners, we are finally, finally talking about Star Trek Discovery Season Four. Talk about considering the mere weeks away from season five starting. Literally, yeah. this, is, this is no part of the recap for those about to begin five. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe people just found it. Well, was that streaming service in the UK? It finally ended oh up. My God. Well, I'll talk about Pluto? it. Yeah. You'll Pluto? talk about Pluto TV. So, Pluto. what a we, fuck up. We have been rather delighted in talking about Star Trek Discovery season four, I must admit, because this began airing on the 18th of November 2021. Whoa. We're now in February 2023. <laughs> I'm like, you know, we've moved beyond hot take to lukewarm to, you know, about Arctic conditions. Picking the course. Take at this point. It completed airing on the 17th of March 2022. So less than a year ago. Less than a year ago it ended. So, I mean, you know, we're coming, we're coming in hot with this one. But, I mean, part of the reason for the delay was days, days before airing in the US on at the time I think it might have still been CBS All Access or might have just switched to Paramount Plus in the uh, US literally and there had been a uh, some kind of Comic Con or like Star Trek convention where the cast had literally been interviewed a couple of days before and they're like, oh, to all our UK fans, you'll be able to watch Star Trek Discovery Season 4 on Netflix. It's usual UK home. And then days later, yeah. uh, Paramount announced, no, 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 no. It won't be on Netflix. We haven't re-upped the deal with Netflix. So it will not be broadcasting in the UK. And literally, it was suddenly not on Netflix. <laughs> Nowhere could you see it in the UK. In fact, the only way you could apparently see it, was by paying for the individual episodes on uh, like iTunes. iTunes, like Apple, like individual, you could do that. I swear um, it was as close as being like, yeah, so you're going to get to see Star Discovery Season 4 on Monday. Yeah, it was, like, it was literally something like three days before it was due yeah. to air. And basically the whole issue was that Paramount Plus hadn't launched in the UK. And we all assumed, because at that time, we were living in that sort of in-betweeny phase where there was all these streaming services launching in the US. And it was just like, there's not the audience for these worldwide. So they were just selling their shows to like whoever, like Netflix and stuff like that. And we thought, there's no way Paramount Plus will ever come to the UK. We were wrong. <laughs> and Paramount Plus revealed that they would be launching in the UK, but not until... June 2022. So suddenly we we're in a position where we would have to wait something like eight months to see Discovery Season 4. So at the last minute, they caved and said, don't worry, don't worry, loyal UK viewers. You'll be able to watch Star Trek Discovery Season 4 on the hottest <laughs> UK streaming service, Pluto TV. Ironically, no ever fucking heard ironically the coldest of the planets. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not even a planet. <laughs> yeah. Subplanet, demoted yeah. planet. So, Pluto but yeah, TV, did you did you actually try and do that? Because um, I, I did. Think I did try for two seconds, yeah. and it was a ridiculous thing of like it's just a bunch of 
live channels. Yes, yeah. It's not. It's not a. You cannot. So you, it's not on you, demand. No. You, yeah, it's not on demand. It's like an actual TV yeah. station. So I was like, fucking hell, When do I have to tune in to see Discovery? Then? Yeah. So you but, had to actually tune in at a certain time. I think it did show it multiple times in the week, like three times or something like that. But you had to tune in at a certain <laughs> time. If you missed that, to to watch it. So it was like literally going back to the dark set, ages. You even set the VHS. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's a streaming service that literally had to line it up. Like there's no Just way. Just wait on my laptop at two a.m. So. I kind of gave up on that no, because yeah. I, I was like, how, how are you going to do that? I, I know, I know that there were people who did actually watch it via Pluto TV. Very law fans, you know, well done to you. But the, these were the fears we had because we had it so good with Netflix having all the series. Yeah. And yeah. when all this stuff started happening, I remember being like, oh no, I've got, we've got it all set up. Like we couldn't do this show without the way we had it set up. So to think of it all coming apart and we'd already had... Picard going over to Prime. And Lower Decks. And Lower Decks, which is still there. They're still, well. they're still with Prime at the moment. I, I think season three of Picard, which of course is the final season, I think is going to yeah. debut on Prime. But ironically okay. as well, like I think most of the old treks are still on Netflix. So they are just all, being discovered. All the old treks are still on Netflix. Even the animated series. The animated series went off for a short time. is now back on. Mm. So uh, clearly that deal. You can also watch those series on Paramount+. Plus. Although weirdly, I believe that Paramount+, Plus, despite being the home of Star Trek, has fucked up some of the episodes or something like that so they're badly edited or like there's episodes that aren't there or something like that whereas on Netflix it all still <laughs> seems service. to be there so at the moment like Netflix at the end of the day you could still watch all the old Star Treks on yeah. there for I, I guess however long that deal stays in place yeah. for them to do that and I guess Paramount Plus don't mind so much because really well, the things that could draw new subscribers to the new stuff yeah. well it is I mean if you kind of like get your taste of Star Trek on Netflix you know it's sending people to, if they want more yeah. they need to come over yeah. It's like a great advertisement. It's like you're not going like, to yeah. make loads of money by just hoarding in one place. People just won't see it. If you are the lesser service, yes. you need somewhere to kind of just like park the, the stuff you're not going to make more money on now. Advertising on the big boys. TNG and those things for all their work, haven't they? I think if they release DS9 and Voyager in HD, that's a Paramount Plus exclusive, isn't it? Like, mm. waiting to happen. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, they did that with the Motion Picture Director Edition. Like, that was a Paramount Plus exclusive. Yeah, which we, of course, saw at the Prince Charles Cinema. Yeah. Uh, so we yeah. kind of uh, diverted away from that. But yeah, Paramount Plus finally launched in the UK on June 21st, 2022. Mm. So we still have had uh, about eight months where we <laughs> could have got this episode out. But, you know, we, uh, we have watching, failed you. I was busy watching Strange New Worlds. So <laughs> <I agree>. Yes. <laughs> if you watch all of Strange yes, New Worlds. Yes, I finished Okay, that. well, that's... See, this is fantastic because this brings us on to one of the things that we need to throw down at the beginning of this episode. So both Matt and I have seen all of Star Trek Discovery Season 4. I did the last two episodes this morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Paul, unfortunately, has only seen the first six yes. episodes yeah. of Season so, 4. So I'll be ducking out like halfway through the discussion. And has yet to complete it, but Paul has two young children, that says... Yeah. This Two young kids. And a wife who said, Can we just uh, can you just find Lo- White Lotus for me? I've heard it's good. And also The Last of Us. And I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, that's kind of taken up the evenings because she's watching with me. Yeah. So a certain number of evenings have just been given over to these shows, which are fantastic. And I'm like, and let's not forget Bo. 
Mm. And well, the bones is finished. Like it's, like, I think all she's got, fifty got, seasons of bones. It's the golden so era of Sophie's uh, TV watching. I must say, like at the moment, like uh, things have upped somewhat, and I'm watching TV for the first time in a decade. That's not Star Trek. I um, mean, I must say <laughs> that if one had to choose between Star Trek Discovery and The White Lotus, I, I think I would choose the one. <laughs> Like, it yeah. was very disciplined too. I, but have you finished season two yet of the White No, 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 I haven't started season two. One is done. Okay. Um, and Loved it? Oh, yh, yeah, very much so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Season two, just as good. And the fact my next episode it. of Last of Us can, you know, is uh, Armand. Oh, like, uh, oh, is uh, the next one up the, yeah, is Murray three. Bartlett Murray and Bartlett Nick Hoffman. Yeah. Moving into that one, so I'm like, Which has been received as one of the best episodes of TV in years. Shout out to the... DOP of that very episode and episode four, I think. It's episode five. three. I mean, yeah, oh, right. that episode and episode four and maybe five. Uh, Evan Bolter, who has been doing amazing stuff, Last of Us, Avenue Five, the um, oh yeah, other the Armando yeah. Inucci he was space he was uh, cinematographer at one of my shorts back in the what? Yeah, so I I can be like, hey, I've got the wait, Last wait, 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 of Us. So here. the cinematographer of probably easily the most critically acclaimed yep. episode TV. Of the year thus far, I mean, we're Did only a piece in February, of shit but you know, <laughs> we're in February, but you know, it has been hailed. I know right? you haven't mentioned the name of it. It's like you just don't want people flocking. But, to you, it. but he lensed one of the shorts that you wrote. This Which was, short is this? This is the 2012 entry into the 48 Hour Sci-Fi. Oh wow! Session. Okay. So I may have mentioned that a few times before. I did three in a row, three concurrent years: 2011, 12, and 13. This middle one was maybe the most muddled because the first one was pretty clean and it came out really good and we ended up in the shortlist. So the following year, the, the producer kind of went through all all the stops to try and make a bigger and better thing. And there was a bit too many cooks. So it was me and like another writer he brought on to kind of do it. Uh, he sort of directed it himself, I think, as well. And then Eben was on as DP and then there was all these locations and a big cast. So there was a lot. It was really fun to do and it was a lot of ingredients in the pot. It's called The, the Blue. I almost forgot. It's called The Blue. Uh, I don't think it's online anywhere anymore, but it does look good. There's some really cool shots. There's, um, it's kind of all set in like the mind of a guy stuck in like a cryogenic sort of coma type thing. It stars Ian Virgo of uh, Rise of the Foot Soldier. Oh, well, who's he playing Rise of oh, the Foot Soldier? Right, I'm looking him up. And, but there's, I remember the some hooligan. <laughs> we shot we shot at this legitimate science lab place that was used in Batman Begins. The building was used as like the alleyways of Gotham around the back. And uh, the, yeah, I haven't seen it in years. It's not very good. But there's a really great scene where like um, the main character and his girlfriend kind of have this moment like on stage because there's like the canteen hall of this lab. So it's sort of up on up on stage, like a little mini theatre hall. And there's this really great silhouette shot from behind them. And above them is this blue light shining down. Mm. So it's these two characters' profile facing each other with this blue light coming down. It looks really gorgeous. So obviously goes on to yeah. The Last of Us. Yeah. <laughs> so it comes out of cryogenic freeze and die. So it's like, we need to get Wesley Snipes. Yeah. We need to catch her. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty ambitious. We had, a, we had access to a swim pool. There's bits where we got Ian Virgo... Completely starkers, and he's just floating around like underwater. I think I've watched this one. Underwater shots. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It could have. It could have been great, and it, <laughs> I, I really like the concept still. But, so, uh, so yes, as a, in, in short, I, I was that's, good. I yeah, I've been a little bit sidetracked, and you know, my scheduling has been horrendous. Uh, I fully hold my hands up. This is, this is not come to pass. I even asked for an extension <laughs> to, for my dissertation here. Um, the extension but, yeah. to today. Into today. <laughs> oh. Oh, you know? oh, right. Yes. Rise of the Foot Soldier. He's in Rise of the Foot Soldier 1. 
and Rise of the Foot Soldier 3, the Pat Tate <laughs> okay. story. Oh, totally okay. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's the guy who at one point has a bit where he rides the foot soldier where he chases off the thugs from his home wearing like a bulletproof vest and shooting off into the sky and goes, Welcome to the fucking neighbourhood! <laughs> Classic stuff. Stop. <laughs> so there you go. I just can't believe John Virgo had it in him. neighbourhood. <laughs> so you have rightfully been distracted from Discovery, but like I say, we've got two people who have completed season four and it will be it'll be interesting and i'll do a sting i think for this episode where i'll come back and we'll just kind of like insert my kind of final thoughts okay okay well it'll be interesting to see if you have the impetus to actually complete i think think uh, you will i think you will after after this so i mean i'll be very interested we can essentially have like spoiler section and non-spoiler section can't we yeah yeah well i mean you know like i said we'll 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 overview i think Mm. i think in all honesty it's quite like a difficult season to spoil in terms of because you know apart from kind of I suppose one may actually yeah one major turning point in episode seven funny enough the episode after right. you've kind of got up to really like which I you know I wouldn't say is kind of earth shattering or kind of like massively shocking but it's just a turning point kind of thing I wouldn't say there's much to spoil in this season particularly but you know we'll we'll, we'll get into it today we seek to understand a threat like none our galaxy has faced before what exactly is this anomaly we're not certain our ship was hit by something together we will meet this threat to our shared galaxy until we understand the anomaly well enough to predict its path billions more lives will be at risk not on our watch. Leadership is about balance. Your acts of bravery are huge swings of the pendulum. And there is a very fine line between a pendulum and a wrecking ball. It'll be bumpy. We could be destroyed. We're totally gonna ignore that warning, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Oh well, I've lived a good life. Jump. With so much at stake. Countless lives. Futures. Once we enter the anomaly, we are going where no one has gone before. Wherever we come from, whatever our experiences, you got this. We're all in this together. I gotta have hope that we'll find a way to stop it. We cannot let fear define us in this moment. The future remains uncertain. But the captain in me knows anything is possible. Ready when you are, Captain. Let's fly. Yes, yeah, so for my part, you know, having watched the first six, you know, it just didn't flow like fine wine for me this this year. Like we're coming off three where I had to really dig deep to find what I enjoyed in it, which is like just oh, Osira, uh, the Renwood train, and, and you know, I, we both agreed, Liam, that like, the promise of the series was kind of evaporated after the episode one, where we were expecting it to be mm. them very much like a limited crew, all on their own, just kind of like the founding father, essentially, Federation 2.0, like having to kind of deal with like this wild west of the galaxy and try and like, you know, put, put the flag in the, the yeah. ground and go like, you know, <clears> we're <throat> going to start bringing some law and order around these parts. 
And then there's cop out the fact there's like some bloody fleet that's like hidden inside a nebula and, you know, there's loads more of them and they're all, I don't know. It was just a bunch of key decisions going into season three that was just like, you could have done, this was your yeah. wipe the slate you... clean and you kind of like muddied stuff around. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, it's almost, there are moments like throughout this season as well where I almost forget that they're from the distant past because it's like, it's not much. Because it doesn't really feel, that's the thing. I, I think... You know, obviously, listen to our season three episode for our full thoughts on that. You know, but, we don't need to go over our ground. But literally, I, I think, like you say, season three was a potential turning point for what this show was. Season one and two very much kind of kind of seemed to be... Uh, and I should say that season, I think season one and two are far superior to season three and four. However, they were, in terms of, you know, their quality, but they were, in terms of show, kind of searching for what it was really going to be, and they were kind of, like, changing and they, things and up. say they still haven't found what they want to be. Yes, and that's the thing. Like, season three felt like the perfect opportunity for yeah, them to find... To shed what, off what yeah, had just been. What the show was going to be. It kind of felt like... Which season was being one, hogtied to that time period yeah, in the past. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. And going, like, blasting forward into the future... <clears throat> And I just find it so strange that they chose not to do that, especially when there's now a multitude of Star Trek shows. So it's not even like they had to go, well, we've only got one. We've got to just keep this classic Star Trek style. Because mm-hmm. like, you know, they, they had every opportunity to yeah. be like, this is another... I suppose it's weirdly, it's funny, I compared season early episodes of season three to almost like uh, The Walking Dead in space. Like That's where it felt like it could have gone. Mm-hmm. And I suppose that is actually a perfect comparison point in terms of if you look at The Walking Dead TV shows... And all their multitude of spin-offs. They are, when Fear of the Walking Dead came out, one of the big criticisms was, it's just The Walking Dead again, rather than them doing something different with that concept. And it's that thing of going like, yeah, that's it. It's just Star Trek again. And still it's still like, Frank Darabont, which is, just would have fixed it. So it's just that thing of like, and of course, now we get into season four, it's kind of like you've done that and now it feels like there's no going back. Even though I remember there was a moment it towards the end of season three where, if you remember, Osira was attacking the uh, Starfleet. Mm. And I thought for five minutes that they were... It felt like Starfleet was about to be destroyed and you know Starfleet had become very constrained as mm. to what they were. And I thought all of Starfleet was going to get wiped out at that point. I thought, oh, wait a minute. They've said Starfleet is still around to fool us and Osiris is going to wipe them all out and then we'll just be left with Discovery and we will go in season four. It will be the they're the last ship standing kind of thing. Like, yeah, you know, that also didn't happen. Like, <laughs> I think, like, so, it would have been fucking awesome. As well, yeah, I also, know. I hate the fact that they've kind of written themselves in such a corner with like the technology leap. Yes. It's like, you know, instant beaming and all of these kind of things, just like the, the new technologies just kind of make it really lazy like there's just it, it just seems like they can technology themselves out of situations i mean I suppose they could always do that before but even in the kind of like universe that started creates there's like certain rules which like i think like, are just broken really easily and really flippantly i just think it's um once you've kind of introduced those concepts that this is possible mm. like it just becomes like a bit lame <laughs> like, well before we get into the season too much 
I'm going to give a overarching season logline for the overall season arc, trying to avoid uh, spoilers for you later, which we'll get into. So, an unknown gravitational distortion anomaly appears in space, which wipes out poor Book's home planet of Quijon. And Starfleet realised that the anomaly is not naturally occurring, has been created by an alien race that they codenamed Species 10C. And then we're introduced to scientist Ruan Taka, who designs a weapon to destroy the anomaly, and then they start debating about whether they should use the weapon or whether they should try and communicate with the species, because obviously Starfleet is all about peaceful exploration and seeing if they can kind of stop it through kind of diplomacy in the classic TNG style. And then more stuff does happen later in the scene, but we'll get to that. That's the general kind of overarching plotline for the series, which very much, you know, continues throughout the 13 episodes. Everything like this is not an episodic season. There is a few episodes early on which kind of have little side quests like subplots and stuff like that. There, in the fourth episode has kind of Tilly taking a uh, crew of cadets uh, to a planet in a kind of side story. Um, but for the most part, this is potentially the most biggest kind of season arc Discovery has done thus far in terms of it literally encompasses the entire season. And really, episode to episode, it's all about the anomaly. Yeah. And that's what they're trying this to do. This is still like my main, one of my main issues with the show. And it comes back a lot to what previous guest Sophie Petzl touched on as well. And that like this staggeringness of, of a serialized story without too much like changing and stakes being reinvented. It feels like basically I get to the end of the season. It's like, I don't think there's anything that's done in season four here that couldn't be done better in an old school two-parter. Mm. Like yes. efficiency of storytelling, moving stuff along, like this stretches it out unnecessarily so. And like, you're right, there are a few bottle episodes here <laughs> as well, like episode eight, which we'll get onto oh. as well. All the motion picture in 136 minutes. Uh, exactly. Exactly. I was yes. wondering, you know, a huge unknown entity. And for most of the first 40 minutes, it's not on screen. Yeah. Like, you know, and it's like, it still feels like it's really well explored. Yeah. Uh, probably to, to a nth degree. Yeah. For so some. But like that has scale and substance, but it didn't need yeah. and it, what, it's, 10, 12 hours to do it. It's weird. <laughs> it's frustrating because this storyline, I think, is a good thing. Like this weird sort of unknown black hole thing turns up that turns out to be not a natural occurring thing. It's a good mystery. But like, and you've got the whole core cast in to explore inter-character relationships and stuff as well. But as we always find in Discovery, they focus on Michael, Saru, now Book, uh, Stamets and Culver, and everyone else is kind of sidelined. Unless um, they're about to die. Yes. Uh, but I did wonder who the first person was going to be to bring up the Star Trek motion picture comparison. Mm -hmm. Because I'm glad we all saw that. Because we I, get that moment in the first episode, right? I've got, there's a big space dock, and I was like, this is going for motion picture here. Yeah, yeah well, it's just, the, the, like you say, it's the, the invisible anomaly thing. Yes. So they're fighting nothing. I, I will drop a spoiler here, because I don't think it is something that's going to be kind of break your heart. You will eventually meet Species 10C. Like, I yeah. think, like, you know, you in terms to. of... Like, yeah, exactly, exactly. But it's that thing of, yeah, for the, for the most part, essentially, it's kind of nothing. It's just kind of space. It's just kind of like, you know, a blur on a screen. It's some nice, pretty effects. 
but it's just kind of nothing. And like you say, I mean, a lot of people think Star Trek motion pictures overlap. <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah. It's got a bit of the Nexus vibe as well, where it just sort of like has a trajectory that they're kind of like plotting and trying to like get people out of the way. And the thing about this is it's unpredictable. It can just sort of change direction. So they've got like some idea of like trajectory, but you know, that sort of feels very Nexus-y as well because you have a whole sequence, which lasts four minutes, I guess, or seven minutes in Next Generations, which kind of feels like it takes two episodes to do that in there. <laughs> so that, that was kind of like very familiar sort of like Shrek thing. I didn't, I didn't hate that, but I also don't think it's, it's like you say, Matt, I feel like it's, it would have made yeah. a great two-parter, but like Discovery it's, falls into this thing about like it has to be like an arc and to its depth. Yeah, it's because what they fill the other amount of time is uh, with is just the same old let's sit around and talk about our feelings which is what Sophie again touched on of like this feels like a cast of like college age characters all having baseline discussions about mental health and then talking about stuff for five minutes and being fine. Mm. And so much of it is done in that way that it never really lands as true. And there's like a recurring catchphrase that I just couldn't stop hearing, which is, uh, you've got this. The amount of times that comes up, that a character says to another character, don't worry, you got this, you got this. And like four or five episodes in, I'm writing it down, just like, how many more times are we going to hear some of this? It's just a, a cheap shortcut to being like, believe in yourself and we're all here supporting you and it's like... Oh, no, I wouldn't trust any of you over my back. You're all fucking nuts. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> well, they're all breaking down. Like, every episode, it's just even Colbert's like having issues. Yeah. And he's the person we go to and he's having breaking down, he's talking to somebody else. It's like, is there anybody on this show and this ship that's actually able to kind of handle themselves professionally. There was one episode where it was just, it was so incessant. I think it was episode three, mm. where I was like, I think I might have to invoke Spotlight Rule <laughs> 7 2.0, which is where we, you know, take a vote at the end of the season. Do we have to have to watch this stuff again? Well, it's, this is the thing. It's interesting because the, the only other time... It's only ever being called into action on, on one occasion. Yeah, the, the only Some of the courts. The only other time we came closest was at the end of Lower Deck season one, where it's not to do with... The, well, no, this present animated series has had the vote. We're not going back. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I mean, was the second one. <laughs> with yeah. animated series, I'm kind of like, it's more a sense like of... There's nothing much more to find. Yeah, it's, it's not to do with me not thinking there's anything of worth in the animated series. It's more to do with the fact that I feel we've said Although it's the same what, what, what yeah, there needs yeah. to be said. It's not even like... And I'm it's like, not carrying on currently. Yeah, yeah, there could be one day a reason to return to the animated series, but I can't see it right now. There's no need to go back to it right now. Whereas with the continuing series, yeah, the time obviously it came closer was Lower Decks, where I really did not care for season one. And I was kind of like... Guys, I'm going to watch the first episode of season two. If I'm not liking it more, then I'm going to bow out and you'll do the episode without me. So it would be a case of like, you know, literally, I think the point where we'd have to bow out would be if two of us were like, I'm out. If two of us are out, there's it, because literally, if there's <laughs> it's just, just me, so yeah. I'm like, well, if, the, if there's, if there's two of us left who want to go on, then we could do that episode with a guest, yeah. with replacing the other person. But once two of us go out, there's only one of us I left, can't believe, then it kind of doesn't really work. I can't believe out of the three of us, I'm the only one who hasn't come close to evoking the thing yet. Like, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah so I can go to the I got one over by season two uh -huh. and it will be interesting to see well, as we will discover whether you will join us for disco season five well I'm intrigued to find it. out if five is going to be it you know we don't know yet right well we do, yeah we don't officially know because with Picard finishing Strange New Worlds is going to carry on I guess yeah, the animated on, stuff yeah. is easy enough that's so they on. might just have to keep Discovery going let's just recap like how many decent characters have left Discovery by the uh -huh. time we reached four We've lost Jason Isaacs. Yep. 
Yeah, we've lost, well, that was season one. We've lost Captain Pine. We've, mm-hmm. you know, Pine? Had, Kurt Pike. <laughs> uh, no, Captain, Captain Pine. Pine. <laughs> I'm getting Chris Pine, aren't I? Uh, Captain Pike. Yeah, Andrew, Andrew, he's now in Strange New Worlds. You know, um, the, Spock as Spock well. Spock has gone. Spock's Strange New Worlds. We've lost yeah. uh, Ash Tyler. Yeah. We've lost Michelle uh, Yeoh. Academy Award nominee for Best Actress. Yeah. Yeah. Michelle Yeoh, gone. I'll throw in Osira there, like it's just England. <laughs> Why is everybody interesting left the show? Well, yeah. I should say we've also seemingly lost our main man, Ronnie Rao, who yeah. randomly uh, disappears uh, after three episodes. Yeah, disappears. Like in the, it was in episode 10, The Galactic Barrier, he's promoted to Lieutenant Commander and transfers to another ship. And there is a goodbye scene to him. I think it's Saru yeah, talking yeah, to him. Saru, yeah. Who's like basically like, you know, he says, he just suddenly goes like, oh yeah, I've been promoted, I'm transferring. And Saru's like, oh, it won't be the same without you, Bryce. Like, yeah, and he's gone. And I was like, oh, it, wait a it's, minute. Well, it's, another, it's another good actor who's basically been held back by a contract on a show that isn't going anywhere. Yeah. And he's like, he's got... To be an extra, basically. Yeah, it's not, they just didn't come up with the goods for Ronnie. And I feel like, you know, good on him for like just cutting it, cutting loose. Mary Wiseman as Tilly also seemingly departs in episode four of this season. She goes off to be a teacher yeah. at Star Trek Academy, uh, yeah. Starfleet Academy, not Star Trek yeah. Academy. Um, <laughs> in the episode All Is Possible, she does return for the finale. She does turn back up okay. in the uh, finale. So she's not gone. The um, But she is, yeah, she's not in as many episodes. And again, Tilly, strong character. I really like Tilly. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. got a lot of time for her. And I think she's an interesting fun character to have on the show and yeah, also you know once she gets over her kind of like um, insecurity she's actually pretty professional when it comes down to it she's like yeah yes. she actually feels like a human being yeah, yeah. like a lot of these characters. and I actually like, you think handle her being yeah, yeah. that person if everybody else kind of was yes. a bit more straight like Not it, everyone can be that yeah and I actually think All Is Possible her departure episode was one of the stronger episodes of the season yeah yeah because it was actually a focus episode where she goes on this away mission with a group of Starfleet cadets and actually had some stakes because one yeah. gets fucking killed yeah one gets killed yeah. and I've got to say pretty much that entire episode and they even say that I think the cadets think it as well I thought they're on the holodeck it's going to be revealed that they're on the holodeck especially once there was the cadet who was killed I was like oh no they're going to be a holodeck and when they weren't I was like oh shit like I think like, that cadet really like died Starship Troopers uh, that's also. quite nasty and, well I think uh, we should have gone computer end program essentially yeah she gets like approached to be a tutor at starfleet academy and goes so they have talked haven't they about finally doing the starfleet academy spin-off maybe the idea is tilly being but the weird thing is is you, you don't need the college set spin-off of star trek because it's basically here with the attitudes of most of these characters and the way they're written yeah you know. uh, and apparently the most important ship in the yeah, history of Federation. I just felt like it's just it doesn't stand yeah. up like at all. And on the subject um, of Bryce going as well, it's sad because he's basically sort of replaced with just some other guy. Well, it's, it's like, I think it's one of the other character background characters. Yes, yeah, that, I, I that goes to highlight just how important his role was. It's like you got to stand over there on the comms and press some buttons. We can get anyone to do that. Yeah, I mean, we obviously we interviewed Ronnie Rao on the show, uh, who was lovely, and we've all see. Oh, have you seen Black Cop? I haven't, but I know I, yeah. I read a, yeah. a lot about it and watched the trailer. We we've both seen and, it, and he's fantastic in it. He's absolutely fantastic, and I, and I was like, holy shit, he's a great actor. What a shame that he's being used essentially as a background artist yeah. in the show. I have no idea of the you know we've got no secret contact with Ronnie Rao about this. I have no idea if that's a case of 
he was written out because I don't know because they've decided they've got too many characters on the show who they can't do anything with or whether he's actually leaving or whether he's coming back because with him there's no reason for them to do that with him because he's not a big enough character whereas Tilly Mm. it's actually it's character development for her to leave become a tutor then come back Whereas with him, it's just like, well, why? Like, what, he turns back up at the beginning of season five, and they're like, oh, welcome back, uh, Bryce. Yeah, they, they, just, like, they yeah. just denied people an opportunity to get to know his character. Yeah. And give him yeah. any depth at all. And it's a shame, because well, they, yeah. you know, they, well, they've just done that, but I don't presume they've actually built that up and like had him kind of like wondering about, I need to change my career or anything like this. No, 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 Bryce, no, just no, like, no, no. I'm leaving. Yeah, just it's, it's, just, I'm, it's just yeah. I'm leaving. And like you say, it's, I can't help but think it's that difficult thing where I think any actor is happy to have work. I'm sure they're all well paid in terms of, you know, it's a big budget show, clearly. One thing I'll say about Discovery, it always looks beautiful, mm-hmm. everything like that. And, you know, they're, they're all there. And I'm sure they're in a big franchise. I'm sure like they're having... IP yeah, I'm this. sure they're having a good time. And it looks good on the CV. But at the same time, when you get four seasons deep and essentially they haven't done anything with your character... Oh, I think as an actor, that has to become frustrating, even if you're grateful for the work. I yeah. think, you know, especially if you're someone as talented as Ronnie, and we know what you're capable yeah. of. You know. Do we know what Bryce stands for, what he likes, dislikes, is good at, is bad at, outside of being communications officer? Not, not really, not no, no, no. Uh, not at all. Exactly. Um, so, like, yeah, I think this yeah. is, yeah. So my point originally was just about, like, I just feel it's a shame that, all the kind of things going into Scooby's favour have sort of been cut away bit mm. by bit and we're just left with perhaps the kind of, you know, uh, Captain Burnham and Saru, who also at the point, at the beginning of this shit season, isn't a major player. Like, he has to come in a bit later on. So you've kind of, like, just down to, like, one sort of familiar kind of, like, leading character that you've kind of had the glue that's kind of held this thing together. And, you know, I think her kind of, like, character flaws are kind of well, like, explored here, where she's captain and under kind of, like, um, assessment by Starfleet, it said you're a bit too much of a raverick and you kind of, like, just make it up as you go along. In Star Trek tradition, she's mm. not right for the captain's chair. Well, you tell you what, here's where I'll, I'll disagree in terms of, because there's a lot of criticisms levelled at the Discovery crew and their maturity and stuff like that. In the case of Michael Burnham, not only do I think Sonequa Martin Green is fantastic in the role, uh, but also I genuinely think Michael Burnham, as the lead of the show, has had a huge amount of character growth and development. Mm. If you look at the character she was in the first ever episode, where she is pretty much like almost like Jack Bauer of Starfleet, child bloody go rogue and like launch mutinies and all that kind of thing, and she's very Vulcan-esque and kind of very emotionless and stuff like that, and all about logic. And where she is by the end of season four, and even at the beginning of season four, where she is the captain, she is incredibly empathetic. She is incredibly diplomatic. And really, I think she's actually Mm. a really brilliant captain. I think she actually has real skill at diplomacy and the way she does her role. And I feel like she's really learned from her mistakes and matured. So I actually think she's a, I think she's a really, really good captain. I think she's definitely had her edges sanded down a bit, but I was excited to see her as a captain. One of my early notes here from the first episode is, you know, oh, she's a very efficient, confident captain. I really dig it. I want to see, I really want to see her tested. And like she, and she is throughout this. 
but it does feel like she's doing everything throughout the season in captain mode and she doesn't really get much of a chance to kind of fall back into like Michael mode outside of her relationship with Book and it just feels like she's very unflappable as a captain like almost too much I think I'd like to have seen her put on that um, front and it'd be true to a degree and then be sort of tested and break down a bit and have to like rethink stuff and maybe fall back on the old way she used to be to get certain things done. But she's yeah, very much just coming point. up against like other authority types because we've got, you know, um, Oded Fair here back as well. Admiral Vance. Yeah, and like the president and stuff. So she's always answering to like higher ups throughout. And it feels like, yeah, I don't know, like she doesn't have as much to kind of really dig into except for when she does go off on things. It's a lot of like, I'm just going to openly state like the thing that needs to be done and we're going to do it. And, you know, you got this. And it's just like, <laughs> man, I wanted like, to see her really pushed a bit, whereas it feels, you know, season two, Michael, as well, like everything with the, the angel and stuff, it yep. was really, really, really compelling. Yeah. Um, I but mean, I, I do like seeing her as a captain. It's interesting that, you know, we figured she's the main character in the show, we knew that from the start, but she's not going to be the captain at the start, and now she is. And it's, I'm, it's interesting that it's taken four seasons to get here, and I'm glad we're in that space. But it's like, you know, she does only have the one central mystery to kind of deal with throughout this season, of course. Well, of course, she is tested in this season by something that happens in episode seven onwards, <laughs> which we cannot reveal uh, right now, but we will move on to it. Sounds like my time's coming up here. Yeah, it, it may be. So yeah. is, is there anything else you have to say about this season as to where you are at the moment? Well, you got this. Okay, I've got this. <laughs> I just thought, yeah, okay, well, season four, episode one, Kobayashi Maru is like the third Star Trek spin-off in a row to do an episode on a Kobayashi Maru scenario. Uh-huh. We had Lower Decks do kind of like a training kind of like one where they kind of like keep going for the computer again and again to try and beat the score. Prodigy did it. Yeah, the two animated shows. And then this one as well references it again. I'm like, kind of going down that yeah. rough of calm. And has another planet destroyed. They love doing that. I love that. They also start with a, with a kind of like a Star Trek Into Darkness yep, beyond yep. kind of like a pre-type, well, pre-teaser. First contact with a new race. And it will go a bit comedic, comedically wrong. Um, the butterfly people. Yeah, that's and very Into Darkness opening. Very Into Darkness opening. So, and then, um, yeah, I think they got a bit of Star Trek 09 in there with like Quajon. Uh, just it feels like they're kind of like just doing the greatest hits a little bit and not quite as you know fresh yep. as it was when those with other films did it before. I feel like we've we've basically with book got him at his, his nadir and you know all the fun that was apparently happened off screen between him and Michael would have made quite a fun like you know half a season of adventures where they're kind of like going around this kind of wild west galaxy. But that was yeah. all kind of like we'll catch up with you in three years <laughs> and like uh, you know just believe me we had real chemistry then kind of gone a bit now it's fizzled out a little bit <laughs> while we were actually trying to create it for you here so I've, I've just found Brooke a very difficult character to kind of warm to I think it will only become more difficult as the yeah, season goes like, on for you uh, yeah for three episodes of him you know depressed okay yeah his planet did get blown up but like, his planet, <laughs> yeah, his planet got blown up <laughs> yeah his planet got blown up you gotta get over it <laughs> yeah exactly you've got this <laughs> yeah it's just a bit just uh, Quajon's just a bit of a wet blanket planet mm-hmm. like well, it deserves to get destroyed. Yeah. Wet blanket. Anyway, it deserves to die. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it could have been a bit more of an interesting planet. <laughs> or a planet we knew loads about and had a connection to. I don't even that. I just feel, you know, we didn't really get it set up as a planet to care about in season three. Like, uh, it was sort of felt like it was a stopping off point. Mm. 
And it just sort of, because it means something to one of the characters, that should basically mean loads to us. But mm. he was at, at odds with his family in season three. And at four, he's kind of looking to get away again. And like, you know, it just feels like, it doesn't seem like a place you really care that much about until it's gone and go, ah! Yeah. Like Saru's planet would have meant more, for instance, yeah. because we've been there a couple of times. The crux of like the ending of season three was to do with taking Sugao to that planet and kind of and Saru spending more time there and everything yeah. like that. If that had been destroyed in episode one, and that was the reason oh. Saru had to return to the ship in episode two. Or Trill, like because you know that would oh, have yeah. wiped out an opportunity for them to go and learn about being a, a you know a host and that kind of thing. Mm. So it'd be like that would have been a crisis for our characters that you know get an awful lot of screen time. Grey and Adira, they make a plan to go to uh, Trill to kind of like, you know, go through that thing. But if that's the plan, that's like, I'm really on my own. I've got to learn to live with all these memories and stuff like that my own way. Books, planet. Couldn't get it. <laughs> Destroy <laughs> Earth? Destroy no. Earth in the first episode Earth's and make it so it's like, you know, that, that's re- that would really change the game in terms of the show, in terms of going forward that's as in a big, big sick. swing. Like, <laughs> you're sick, Liam. Like, you can't destroy Earth. Like, I haven't felt this sick since in the alternate universe where they eat, like, Saru's people. And I was like, that turns my stomach, you know. Mm. The uh, delicious champion. Like, <laughs> and they pour Saru's, like, you know, watch, like, you know, them serve up, like, his mates. You know, just so... I was like, that's sick. <laughs> my friend is too cold. So I think I'm going to take my leave of you. <laughs> Very well. Beaming so on we can move yeah. on to the big Why twist in episode seven. So before you leave, Paul, at this point, so we can continue to discuss with spoilers, will you be completing the rest of season four of Star Trek Discovery? Yes. You will? Yes, I want to finish it. Okay, Good. you do? Yeah. There were times I didn't want to, but okay. I, I feel, you know, there was uh, no, episode five where we introduced the kind of um, the scientist. Tarka. Tarka. Tarka doll. lit a fire under the whole thing. Like, as soon as he came into it and he had a, a brought stamps to life, I thought that was just really gripping. And then there's a scene. With his screen therapy. Every piece of data is a clue. Commander, I do not believe that you or Mr. Tarka are considering the risks as seriously as you should. You realize it's a choice to be this tense, right? Mr. Tarka. I have extraordinary responsibilities on... What was that? Do it back. Excuse me? Yell back at me! What are you afraid of? Do it! (laughs) Well, that was something. That felt pretty good, right? Being out of control for a moment? I suppose it did. I think he's the kind of person that if he was around today, he'd call himself a disruptor. Yes. Uh, like, you know, literally, he'd be someone who owned a social media platform. Yeah. <laughs> and literally comes in and he's like, yeah, everyone, we should scream in each other's faces. And him and Saru do it and him and Stavis do it. <laughs> and he say, and so basically, which is something that my mum does at her favourite cult slash retreat, uh, where they, they do kind of screen therapy type stuff where they're, <laughs> they're screaming in each other's faces. The ending of the episode, when he has this kind of like final scene where Book is really suspicious of him and it's kind of like a bit cold. At like, the bar, yeah. At the bar. Like that was just like, this is the kind of mystery I want. This is a character-driven mystery between these two. That I'm like, what's going on here? I don't know how it's going to play out, but it got me back in from that moment. 
Well, I will tell you, he's about to begin to play out in episode seven. So there you go. I'm going to go home right now. (laughs) You're back on board. You got this. (laughs) So now that Paul has departed or beamed out, as it were, Uh let's beam in to the spoiler section (laughs) of the podcast. We've never done this before, but lots of podcasts do this where they divide to like the non-spoiler section, the spoiler section. Well, our definition of spoiler section in this instance is whatever Paul hasn't seen. Yeah, basically, <laughs> basically. Episode 1 to 6, they're not spoilers. <laughs> no. Episode 7 to 13, that's where the real spoiler shit goes down. So I basically skipped around earlier where I was talking about the main season plot because a big twist of the season, obviously, Paul had yet to see. So, Paul mentioned uh, the scientist Ruan Tarka, uh, who arrives in episode five and signs a weapon to destroy the anomaly. In episode seven, essentially goes rogue with Book, as Starfleet wants to try and communicate uh, with Species 10C and use diplomacy and everything like that. They would rather blow the fucking anomaly up. And so, essentially, uh, Book and Tarka go off together to try and do that and then the rest of the season is Tarka and Book in conflict with Discovery essentially which of course is the thing that really tests Michael because she is in love with Book and now they are on opposite sides. Yeah so this kind of dual path of of having separate ways to deal with the main problem we've had is really interesting and having it be the Michael Book split is really good as well. Yeah, episode six, I think, was one of my favourites. I think in my notes, I did say probably the best one yet. Directed by Frakes, his episode of the season. Jonathan Frakes himself. But you've got the stuff happening with Zora as well, the computer. And I was just like, oh man, even the ship's computer is feeling things now. I'm starting to feel things. (laughs) But that was interesting because I was like, oh, is this going to go, you know, a bit Hal Hal 9000 type thing here? And... uh, yeah, the Zora stuff is interesting. Um, she ends up basically becoming Starfleet member herself, even though it's this idea of ship sentient AI is uh, developing. So that's going on as well. That's some interesting stuff. So episode six is stormy weather, as you say, directed yep. by Two Takes Freaks. I did wonder with Zora uh, as voiced by Annabelle Wallace from Peaky Blinders and the Tom Mummy. Cruise's The Mummy, if she has a clause in her contract that she has to sing Whatever she does, because she sings in Peaky Blinders as well. Uh, and she starts singing this. But it's funny you were saying about Zora potentially becoming a how style for mm. 2001, because obviously my mind ran with that too. And let me cast your mind back, Matthew, to the first season of the Star Trek Discovery short tracks, ah. the little short films they do in between seasons, or they did in the early days at least. And in the first season of them, there is a episode called Calypso, guest starring Aldous Hodge, mm-hmm. uh, now Hawkman in Black Adam. And he basically finds a like destroyed discovery years in the future, uh, undetermined years in the future. And uh, Zora is still on board. I'm still not clear if we, because obviously we've taken a massive leap into the future since then. So it's still not clear where that's meant to be set. If it's still set even further yeah, is that into the future, or that? if it's, or if it's maybe like after the burn, but that doesn't make sense because Disco wouldn't be there. But Zora at that point has gone a bit bonky boodle like on the <laughs> on the ship. So I was like, 
Uh, is Zora being set up as like the big bad of Discovery overall? So when we get to the actual finale of Discovery, is it going to be like Michael versus Zora on the ship or something? And she's going to end up like wiping them all out or something, you know? Well, I can see it because, you know, AI sentience is a big, a big thing happening right now and everything with everything going on with AI stuff. I can see them going down that down that road and yeah there's that bit in episode six where like a bit of the ship blows off and that guy gets sucked out and Zora had just sealed it off and it was that question of like oh did she not let that guy back in on purpose type thing or is she just operating on logic or what is going on there but yeah no I hadn't seen I don't, I don't know if I've seen a lot of those short treks but I do wonder if back then it was just a case of let's just have more mini stories uh, well with Calypso uh, the USS Discovery has held position in space for a thousand years, and its computer system Zora has become sentient. See, but they've already had the rogue AI with control in season two, so yeah, it would control. be weird to just build Zora up as like a new mm-hmm. one of those. Season three is set in thirty-one eighty-eight, and season one is set in twenty-two fifty-six. So, so like nine hundred years, basically a thousand years. So, yeah, it's it's weird. I, I think it may be just a case of Calypso was just a random short track that not everyone's even watched. And will they be like, we need to be beholden to that short film we made? Yeah. Good thing. Well, I mean, it, it's one of those things where I was like, it certainly was interesting. I guess their ideas of where Discovery would go might have been very different then. But at the same time, they still seem to be working towards that in some way with the developments of Zora. So yeah. it makes me think that they are going to do something with it. So I don't know. It'd be interesting to see where that eventually goes, certainly. But yes, basically, yeah, he goes, uh, book goes rogue with Tarka and they go off on their Cause, cause ship. Because he, he gets spore drive powers, basically. Uh, like that was a bit... Yeah, like He gets maybe. caught in the thing and then he can make his own mini ship jump. Yeah, I guess so. I, Tarka I, just goes, oh, yeah, I built this thing. It's full drive. He, it's well, like, Tarka's meant to be one of those kind of geniuses, isn't it, where he just can pull anything out of his ass and just go, yeah. But like Paul was saying, is. at that point, like, when does anything mean anything if, if the tech gets too much? Yeah, true, like, true. You've already got people, yeah, just beaming about the ship within Italy. If you can just get any ship to jump, then it's like, well, what does light speed and hyperdrives and anything matter anymore? What did you think of the conflict between Michael and Book and how it developed? I don't know. I think I think he gets, quote-unquote, fixed too soon after... So basically, the early episodes when he's grieving his planet, it feels like episode two, I think, especially, is like, oh, this is the Michael Talks Book Around episode. It feels very uh, clean-cut and too quickly. But then when he ends up getting everything and teaming up with Tarka, it's like, okay, now he's he's found a way to pursue a a different outlook. And as much as they are on differing paths for a lot of it, they still remain quite um, not at odds with each other. They were able to say, look, I know you're doing your thing, I understand your point of view, and he's very much the same, which kind of, again, sands the edges off a bit. I'd like to have seen them really be like, no, I believe this, you are wrong, and vice versa, the other person to be doing that, to really bring them into a proper conflict. But once they're kind of separate, you know, they don't get much chance to cross paths again until some of the later episodes anyway. But I think that, that difference of outlook on what to be done, it was right there. And at every turn, it feels like they're going, I see you, 
I, I understand, I feel your pain, I know why you're doing this, but we need to do this. And if it was just a little more down and dirty and, and raw. Yeah, I understand what you're saying in terms of you feel the conflict there and the fact that that would put pressure on both of them mm -hmm. in regards to that. However, it is all quite nicey-nicey. Yeah. Like in the eighth episode, so the first episode after Tarka and Book run off on their own, uh, Michael and Book are instantly brought back together when they both go to a kind of dealer who they used to work with uh, when they were uh, working together in yeah. the interim at the beginning of season three. I like that one. That was fun. Yeah, it was fun. And um, she takes with her one of the ancillary uh, <laughs> you go. discoveries. This is it. Answers. I was thinking, right, well, she's dead next episode. Uh, she's getting a it? whole me... adventure and getting to do cage fighting and stuff. Let me look her up. Um, Imagine being like four episodes into Sopranos she? and being like, who's this fucking Christopher? That's his name. Let's look it up. <laughs> uh, Michael is with Joanne when they uh, beam down to the kind of casino in episode eight or in. And Joanne volunteers to uh, basically do essentially a boxing match cage fight type thing. Yeah, because as we know about this character, she is a proficient, like, cage fighter type. Well, That's I mean, been built yeah, up she, since season one. No, she certainly no. seems to be in, in the ring. Yeah, they've just, well, they've just pulled it out of their ass, haven't they been like... But what I found funny about this character, I don't know if you noticed this, but she has a recurring thing in Star Trek Discovery where this character likes to basically try and sacrifice herself, like, constantly. Right. So I don't know if <laughs> Just you, let me die. I don't know if you remember the season three finale, but in season three finale, she was basically one of the people who kind of saved the day, and she almost died in the season three finale. And it was very much set up as being a classic disco arium style tragedy where a character we really hadn't seen much of was kind of doing something and then sacrifice and i was 100 she's dying here and she didn't she survived but in this season she frequently whenever there's something to be volunteered for where you could potentially die she's like oh let me do it let me do it i'm like why do you keep Try to sacrifice yeah. yourself. But yes, her and Michael have a good old time doing this kind of cage fighting and that. And this is when you were talking about getting down and dirty. What did you think was going to happen once the cage fighting element was introduced and both Book and Michael were set up to have to fight over this isolinium and the cage fighting element was introduced? What did you think was going to happen? Well, it was going to be Book v. Michael. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought as well. Because then they could get out all this like tension. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. I thought it was going to be Book versus Michael in the ring, and it was going to have to get really brutal. Yeah. Like, I tell you what I immediately thought of, the amazing boxing episode of Battlestar in yeah. season three, which does end with Apollo and Starbuck, so a male and female pairing, fighting it out in the ring yep. and knocking seven fucking bells out of each other. Yep. And again, that's similar in terms of they were in a relationship or at least had been a relationship in the show. And I thought that's what we were going to get. I mean, it just seemed like the natural yeah. thing. And that doesn't happen. Is it they have a card game? Instead, it goes down like, yeah, they end up having a card game. Yeah, the fighting stuff goes, down the, goes down the way you expect it, which is uh, Joanne keeps losing and then eventually, oh, let me go one more time, one more time, one more time. And then she wins. And it's like, oh, was that all part of a big con to like up the stakes and win more money as those uh, guys come after them uh, claiming so? Or is it just like, Oh, she'll get it on the third go. It's all a bit like, I can see where this is going. But if 
if Joanna got on like a leg fucking snapped or something and Michael's like right well I'll go in she has to step in yeah and then Book's like well I'll go in uh, but anyway, this, <laughs> this, this whole, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this whole like, you know, side quest diversion episode, I enjoyed it because it's like, here's, yeah, it's good fun. here's like an almost DS9-esque back alley sort of world, like the underworld of Star Trek uh, that we've seen glimpses of throughout the series as well. And uh, just focusing on some colourful characters and, uh, you know, setting up where things are going. It felt well-placed to episode eight, but you could have more episodes that feel like oh it's the boxing one it's the whatever one that's still um adding to this still uh, overarching forward yeah. the overarching story exactly. because once you get past that episode really i would say just episodes, together. yeah 9 to 13 feel very much like one big episode uh because essentially what it is is they're chasing bukataka bukataka try to destroy the anomaly and kind of disagree often disagreeing on how that should be done and they're chasing them, and obviously Michael's being put in the position of, oh, God, are you going to have to potentially kill Book, you know, in mm-hmm. order to stop him? Because they, they don't want to provoke a war with the 10C, who they try to communicate with, so that they can try and find out if 10C are peaceful or they are hostile aliens. Yeah. Um, they certainly believe they are peaceful. Interesting thing, in terms of, do you ever believe that 10C were going to be evil? I wasn't sure really, but what they did, which we'll touch on the last few episodes uh, anyway in a bit, is I did actually really like the idea that they were the humans and, and you know Starfleet were now the the lesser species in a first contact scenario, and being like, oh, we're now meeting uh, a species so far beyond our comprehension, and that the the Ten C were almost like unaware of the destruction their everyday nature was doing. Yeah, almost that, like humans and stuff, like yeah. amoeba to them almost. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's like, you know, if like the squirrels from the woods that were deforesting had managed to come up to us and be like, hey, and we're just like, oh, yeah, all right, yeah, I get, yeah. Like, I like that reversal. I mean, to be fair, with the kind of species human beings are, they probably just kick the squirrel and go, don't care. Exactly. So with the 10C could have, you know, done anything when it's like that. And I think to drive that point home more, you know what would have been good? Some fucking book ending, which you kind of have because the season opens with a first contact scenario with those butterfly people. But if those butterfly people had been like so primitive to really nail home that uh, idea of Starfleet finding this species that's just about ready for first contact, say, and then flipping it at the end by going, we are the amoeba compared to the 10C. Mm, that would have been really interesting. But, you know, the butterfly people seem pretty self-sufficient and everything, so... I agree that that's a really interesting idea. And I was actually really glad yeah. that 10C didn't turn out to be evil. Because yeah. I kind of thought, once it got to a certain point in the season, I kind of thought, well, either the point you're making is actually this season is about reaffirming the values of Starfleet and the Federation mm. and how they still have a place mm. this far out in the deep future. And that is very much what the message of the season is. Because at the end of the season, of course, Earth rejoins the Federation. Because that was one of the big surprises of season three. That Earth had basically just completely rejected. The Federation went away, which is not something we were expecting. And I was like, oh, okay. It's going that actually this is about... Essentially, if you look at the season, it does reflect the core ideals of the Federation and Starfleet. In terms of diplomacy, exploration and try and make that contact, peaceful contact. 
it also really reminded me of Arrival. Yep. Like there's a lot, say, yeah, a lot of bits where they try to communicate with the 10C, which very, very arrival. Start try to find the language and kind of you know find a way of communicating like different a, a different thing to yeah. pitch at. And stuff well, it's like, like they have the coloured um, emotions from inside out <laughs> as like forms of language and emotion and sense and stuff. So yeah, when they're going, you know, the Universal Translator is no help here. And essentially holding up signs to the community. I was like, this is very arrival. And even the, the, the 10C, when you see them, are quite unknowable squid and smoke things, I guess. It's like quite, it's, it's very arrival. Well, they're weird, like giant, almost, they look a bit kind of giant volcano starfish or so. Yeah, like, yeah, like literally. So they, they, I mean, they're quite strikingly weird when you do actually finally kind of see them. Like I say, I always think discovery on a visual level. Is still very, very yeah, impressive. Yeah. Always still looks like one of the most expensive shows on TV to me. I mean, before they get there, of course, they go through the galactic barrier. So that's the edge of the galaxy. Is it wrong that I think that's pretty damn cool? Frontiers are always cool, Mr. Reese. If only we could enjoy it. What I do know about this episode is, is the episode where we reveal the backstory of Tarka. Yeah, the prison. Um, which, so we find out that basically he was serving hard time, Colmini style, <laughs> in a kind of alien prison. And he met an alien called Oros in his kind of cell. They became kind of best friends. He's kind of like... Uh, Tarka keeps saying, I never had a friend before like yeah, him. And like they became besties. It's all slightly odd in terms of this doesn't seem to be really a real. There doesn't seem to be any real hint of like homoeroticism between him and the uh, the alien cellmate. But at the same time, he is completely this. This means everything to him in terms of getting back to his uh, alien mate, and he believes that this um, alien built a machine to transport them to a peaceful parallel universe. Yeah. And then he disappeared. He doesn't know if he made it to parallel universe or not. And actually turns out that by destroying the anomaly, he believes that he can somehow get transported to that parallel universe. And he's willing to take the risk because that's all that matters. And he wants to be reunited with him and go to this parallel universe. And the way he tries to get book on board with that is by kind of saying oh yeah because you should come too because in the parallel universe your planet will be there and you know it won't be the same but it basically the same so yeah. it's fine is that whole this comes like i mean this is uh same thing as multiverse of madness isn't it mm. with parallel mm. universes this is a real sticking point for me with these kind of narratives where you get a mad person going like no no, no i have to find a way back to like the person or the things that I love. And it's always a case of, well, there's another version of them in a parallel universe that's basically the same. And therefore I can get them again. This is what I always think. I think they're not the same. Mm. They're not the same. They may look the same, they may sound the same, they may act the same. But I was like, that isn't the same person. That isn't the same person that you fell in love with or felt really close to yeah. or anything like that they're not actually the same person so for me although in this case they are saying that his prison oh yeah in this case that, that specific person well. yes but for Book yeah. with his plan it wouldn't be it would be like a different version and presumably a version of Book would be over there anyway. yeah yeah exactly it's like for me I just never get that argument in terms of same with uh, Multiverse of Madness where Wanda's try get back to a version of her kids that don't fucking exist anyway or They're terrible um, fucking kids. Yeah, ter uh, 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 terrible kids. 
or uh, Doctor Who, uh, Journey's End, with the second version of David Tennant's Doctor, uh, who Rose takes on board, despite the fact that... I mean, that I've never got, where it's just basically he whispers something in her ear and she starts snogging him. With knowing that the real Doctor, the one she's really in love with, is right there, leaving with Catherine Tate, and he's like, no... The real, the real doctor that you fell in love with is that one. This is a fake. It's not real. Kind of thing. It's like a sex doll version. So what book wants his entire planet is sex doll people. Basically, that's what he sex wants. Sex doll planet. Uh, what did you think about Tarka's backstory? Did you think it gave you sympathy for him and made you sympathetic to his villainous ways? I mean, yeah, it was, it was good that there was something there. But yeah, it was quite light. And like you say, to do, I think it needed to go harder on the relationship nature of it or at least like a love story there because otherwise if he is doing if he's risking the entire universe just for like his mate from prison it seems yeah. a bit weird so you have to assume there should have been a scene of them hardcore fucking yeah. in a prison cell really yeah they should have been That's like how the, the, the beecher and beecher and teller <laughs> yeah. of the Star Trek yeah. universe but again I think it's you hamstring yourself a bit when you just use one episode to get it all out because you're just like this feels like you're going oh shit we need to justify this Here's all this, and whether there's better ways of stringing that out since we meet Tarka that isn't just continuous flashbacks for episodes, I don't know. But it does feel like, oh, here's everything you need to know to care here, let's carry on. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to jump on board on that, but at least there was something there. Um, well, I will tell you, I didn't care about Tarka. I thought he was complete bell end. Yeah. I couldn't wait to see him get fucking murked. <laughs> I felt no sympathy for him whatsoever. I was just like, you're an idiot. Uh, literally, you don't even know if your mate is in this parallel universe. You're incredibly dangerous. You're a maniac. I could not, for the life of me, see why Book was trusting him. Because the thing is, Book, I understand that he's fucked up over his planet being destroyed. But this was my take. Mm. The person who presumably he loves more than anything is Michael. And Michael's still here. So it's bad your planet getting destroyed, but the person you love more than anything still exists. It's still the world. So why are you sacrificing your relationship with her? Yeah. Well, I suppose the argument he would make in and the argument Tarwin make is that the anomaly is potentially threatening to destroy everything. He believes that this is the way of dealing yeah, with it, yeah. the way of saving the day, and he believes that Michael's way will not save the day. But then again, why not trust your girlfriend who seems incredibly competent and wonderful and put your trust in her rather than going off on your own. Yeah, and if nothing else, it's put him on the same playing field as everyone we know from Discovery because they've lost everyone they've ever known and loved but coming to the future. So now if he's lost his planet... You know, he's he's now the same as Michael. Like, there's something yeah, else just bonded. One of us. Yeah, one yeah. of us. You've lost everything as well. Cool. Um, which I have to say is something that never really gets touched on again with any of the characters we know. You'd think there might be ongoing, uh, you know, plot lines with uh, the bridge crew. Well, yeah, because they talk about at the end of this season, they're like going back to Earth and stuff. They get transported back to Earth. Mm. And that's like a big deal. And they're all like, oh, yay, Earth. But I'm like, but you're not going to know anyone on Earth. No. It's... Like, well, you, what, you're going to look up your like, ancestor or something like that who's going to be like, who are you? It's like, like if someone from fucking 1123 <laughs> yeah. rocks up here, they ain't going to know what the hell's going on. Yeah, exactly. I was just uh, like, it just doesn't really... No. It doesn't really so this, this idea of all discovery being out of time and having lost everyone is a concept I feel that they just haven't 
dug up enough dramatic weight from because something like we say Battlestar does it very well where every episode you're reminded that they are like the only humans left now and they're on the run and they're losing everyone mm. they love all the time that's the entire point of the show and here Discovery season three onwards has this in its back pocket to dig out to you know add elements to any character it wants from Discovery and it never really does it I can't remember if at the start of season three they have much of a like Oh, let's sit, let this sink in. We've left everything a thousand years in the past. There's the scene around the dinner table. They all try and have a big dinner together, and they all end up arguing and stuff like. That. I think that's the the big. And that's it. But that that's the big moment of showing the strain of that's being, it. It's just lo- like having lost everyone's really got to. Them. They go through that, and then that's it. Never mention yeah. it again. It's fixed. Yeah. Um. You got this. You got this. <laughs> so that's a shame. Basically, the conclusion of this season is essentially Tarka has stopped. Because at one point they kidnap Jet Reno, played by Tignataro. I always, she's another character who's not given enough to do, mm-hmm. but is kind of still part of the main cast. She is given, like, you know, she, she's given higher prominence, but she never appears for that many episodes. She's in, and, I think she's in 14 episodes. Totally. Yeah, she's, so she's a, essentially a regular guest. Well, she's like a regular cast member, she's part of the main cast. Because Tignataro is a famous person yeah. outside of this show. and But it always seems like... I always assume that the reason she's not in many episodes is they can only get her for so many filming days because she's busy doing other shit. Maybe. She's a touring stand-up now, yeah. still. And plus, she's in movies. She was in Army of the Dead, of course, stuff like that. And she's very good. Yeah. So I'm always kind of like, surely you can't just be choosing not to have her in much. Surely it must be a case if she's not available. Patch worked like a charm. We're attached to the hull, and Zora's sensors don't have a clue. Well done. Got some news about the missions of that planet. <clears throat> Hogan's trade. Nothing like coming home to an unexpected hostage, am I right? She kind of shows up as this like hostage towards the end here, but I never really buy into the drama she's in because she always seems so chill. She has a really great monologue in episode 12, but like anything to do with her... Oh yeah, she really kind of tells Book how it is. Yeah, she, yeah. She kind of speaks for the audience and just goes, you're a fucking dick. <laughs> but like, it's hard to like buy into any of the tension when she's involved because it's just like, you're just rocking up and rocking out again. You can sort of feel it. Yeah, I get what you mean. It's, it's almost as she's too cool for school. Yeah. It does, I mean, she's... The team show is one of those people, she sounds cool, she looks cool. She kind of, like, has, like... Yeah, like you say, an effortless chill about her. You kind of feel like, even though she's been kidnapped, you think she'll probably be fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the other person that sort of falls on this scale, maybe for the opposite reason that I'll say, never thought I'd say it, too much David Cronenberg here. Oh, Wow. Dull old crony. Wasn't expecting that. He's, like, I, obviously I love him, but, like, here he he's so drony. And I don't know whether it's him or the character again, because I don't know what Cronenberg's like or what he's like as an actor. But, like, he has so many scenes throughout the season that's just sort of the, the debate scenes. And he's like that teacher in Ferris Bueller. He's just sort of like, mm, anyone, anyone, Bueller. I'm just like, Jesus Christ. I think I'm just, whenever When he popped I, up before. Whenever I watch this, I think I'm just amazed that David Cronenberg's in it. Mm. So I just can't forget anything like that. I just, whenever he turns up, I'm just like, oh, it's the director of History of Violence has yeah. just walked in. Like, he's yeah, pretty he much just, like a recurring cast member this season. And he looks very, he's got, he's got a cool look. It yeah. has like, yeah, he, you know, he looks how you imagine David Cronenberg would look. 
But it is... They should have made him a Kelpian. He kind of has that, like, about him anyway. Oh, yeah. Well, when they introduced him in season three, he was very mysterious, and he seemed as if... He came across as if he was going to be a bad guy. Mm. And maybe that's because he's played by David Cronenberg, <laughs> who kind of makes all these pervy yeah. body horror films. So you think, well, he comes across a bit creepy yeah. anyway. So, you know. But in season four... He just seemed to be like totally fine scientist guy, really. Well, it like, really hammers home the fact that you know this is a show made in Canada. It's like, yeah, of course you got Cronenberg there all yeah. the time. <laughs> yeah, he's just down the road. It's like, I'm it's just like shooting a, in the. Space I mean, it's a bizarre thing. I would love to know how David Cronenberg like came on board the yeah. show because he just a cameo. It'd be like, oh, fine, but he's no, he's like pretty much regular role now. Like fucking Cronenberg turned up. He's just in between directing what fucking Crimes of the Future or whatever his latest film is. It's, it's very, very odd. I mean, really, they should have him direct an episode because, I mean, he could bring some real... Because one thing I will say, stuff. Discovery sometimes seems quite anodyne, quite clinical and clean. Yeah. He could bring in some real creepy, you know, sort of alien body horror into it for an episode. You know, that would be interesting. But yeah, so basically they stop Tarka because Book basically realises he's been an idiot, fights back, against Tarka. First, Tarka has this weird, like, uh, body shield type thing. Mm -hmm. So every time... And Book's a real idiot. He, like, keeps... It obviously is a case of however hard you hit, you just get propelled back. But he doesn't seem to realise that. He tries about 50 times. I'll get you this time. And then eventually manages to get through and stop him. Uh, Eventually, Tarka gets killed, doesn't he? And we have a big fake out where we believe Book has been killed. Mm Mm-hmm where he doesn't quite make it over to the transport when his ship is destroyed. But is he... Does he just die? No, I think that I think they just find him... Don't, don't, oh, because I they, read it that he dies. Oh, is it... And he, no, no, he dies like, in oh, 10... Is it he dies and the 10C bring him back? Yeah, the 10C just go, oh, here you go, have him back. Let like, me check, because... If he's resurrected, then nothing matters. 10C are gods. Oh, well, that's the other thing, isn't it? Niodi, who uh, was a random character who seems to portray Starfleet for Book and Taka, then he's like, oh, no, <coughs> I thought they were nice. I'll sacrifice myself. <laughs> she goes to sacrifice herself, but then she instantly gets beamed back on board and is fine as well. So that sacrifice costs nothing. Yeah. So the 10C reveal that they saved Book, so I think it's just that they pulled him out of the kind of thing rather than resurrected him, mm. like full-on recreated him or whatever like that. I think it's just that they pulled him out of the transport. So maybe when they thought they'd lost the signal, actually that was them taking him out, something like that. So literally, they meet the 10C. They're a lovely lot. <laughs> they say, oh, sorry, didn't realise what we were doing. We'll, 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 they essentially go, we'll be more careful of the future. Yeah. <laughs> like, we won't destroy... Don't worry. Sorry about destroying your planet and killing your entire species. Next time, we'll look where we're going. But Puck goes, surprisingly, that's not enough. Pushes his luck. Uh, so I thought they were going to go, what? <laughs> In that case. Uh, <laughs> but he says, no, that's not enough. And I thought at this point... They were going to recreate his planet, mm. I thought, which really would have basically made entire season for now. <laughs> but I, I thought they were just going to go, oh, well, don't worry, we can bring your planet back. Yeah. But they don't. What they say is they will stop using the anomaly like altogether for whatever they... Like mining shit. Aren't yeah, they? exactly. So they said, we'll stop using that altogether. And not only that, we will try and like help you get things back on track to make amends. Uh, so that happens... 
Earth rejoins the Federation, and Book essentially has to serve community service and go and help victims of the anomaly. Kind of thing, like, go to, like, so I guess people have been maybe, like, displaced or something like that by the anomaly. He goes to help them. And so, you know, like, this is why I saw it as him serving community service. Him and Michael seemed fine, mm-hmm. uh, which I was kind of... That was slightly weirded out by in terms of Michael is... I mean, Michael's a, a brilliant girlfriend because she, she seems extremely understanding, like, almost too understanding. Because yeah. I'm like, I understand the reasons you were doing it, but you did almost basically end all of us down to your stupid decisions. Yeah. And so it's that thing of when they kind of, like, meet in regards to that at the end... They just never seem to have any kind of argument or tension in regards to it. It yeah. seems absolutely fine. He goes off and fine. kind of helps kind of people who have been affected by an anomaly. Takes Grudge with him. Grudge looks very, very annoyed. The hero. Because just <laughs> like, cause she's just like, what the fuck did I do? <laughs> I never betrayed anyone. Uh, lots of hilarious moments with uh, Grudge in this season, which of course I appreciate. I still believe that Grudge should be captain, captain Grudge. Uh, of, the, of the show. I love her little space cat carrier, which she has with a little car force field. Right? <laughs> that's really, really amazing. So yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it, isn't it? And they kind of go back onto another adventure, mm-hmm. let's fly, it's all sorted, and that's the end. Okay. So in the end, did this season amount to that much? I mean, it's another adventure. Uh, it was around this finale time that I was thinking, my brain just started going, yeah, you know, one of the series of old would have knocked this out in two-part. It would have been discovering some weird anomaly thing, some big disaster happening, and then them tracking down the 10C and having stuff, you know all fall out so I know that isn't the nature of these shows anyway yeah I mean you have to see in context when it's all said and done like where do you think what do you want for season 5 is the question I found a quote from Doug Jones where he was talking about season 5 and they were basically asking him you know what's it about and obviously with these kind of things they can never spoil anything even if there's not much to spoil in regards to that and his quote to me made it sound like he was just basically going, oh, more of the same. Like, in terms of, like, basically, they've got a setup now. They're going to do, like, almost established with this season, which they believe maybe has gone well. Mm-hmm. And now they'll just continue down this road of having a problem that comes up in the first episode, and then they have to fix it. And it's a bit of a puzzle box, which this season kind of like was, because <clears> it's like, you know, weird anomaly that you can't see, and then gradually they find out what it is and who's yeah. find it. See, I am all for that structure, but you just gotta fill the episodes with more ongoing. You can't just bring up some drama, have them talk it out, and it'd be fine. Time's I will say the teaser trailer that they did release to season five, mm. I thought did look quite exciting mm-hmm. and interesting. It was a very teasery trailer in terms of it was like a minute of footage, but like really not really getting a feel of story, just kind of like a feel of vibe. It mm. looked a little darker and like, you know, in terms of, so I think, you know, potentially there's interesting stuff. So this is the way I feel about Star Trek Discovery. Uh-huh. And last season, season three, we did season three. I said, I think this is the weakest season of the show. Yeah. So I think I'm going to have to say it again for this <laughs> season. I think I'm going to have to say this is the weakest season of the show. Yeah. I think this is kind of 
in a way even weaker than season three because mm. although season three had huge disappointments in it for me in terms of what it could have been there was still some at the start there was the promise of what could have been there's some very interesting stuff at the start and then when Asira came in and stuff like that and all that stuff in the second half things did get very exciting and again threatened to go somewhere quite interesting there was a lot of action towards the end and stuff like that I think overall season three had more points of interest I think season four weirdly is probably a better story overall because it's it's actually the entire thing is of a piece where season three was like stopping and starting mm. uh, going all over the place but this season essentially it's like it's 13 episodes which in today's tv day and age is weirdly long but the thing is i feel like i'm front-loading or we've been front-loading the negative yeah um I, I have mentioned some positives about this i feel i want to exemplify them because there are positives to this i do enjoy this show like i say i think it looks like a million dollars and costs more than a million dollars i'm sure per episode i really like the cast in general despite the fact that yes i feel like some of the uh, recurring casts are very underutilized i think the main players of doug jones anti-rap uh sneaker martin green uh mary wiseman wilson cruz are all really great screen presences and i've got to the point where i'm now just pleased to see those characters i have affection for those characters i genuinely think i know obviously you know paul feels a different way and stuff like that but i think michael is a really good character really interesting character who's genuinely pretty much changed up every season in terms of you do feel like she's grown and grown and grown <clears> through every <throat> season to where she is now i think sonequa martin green is absolutely wonderful in that role i think she's stately i think she is a brilliant starfleet captain when i watch sonequa martin green as michael burnham in the show i'm like make a president like, like yeah she's sort of all out i think she's fucking amazing I, I want her to be my captain so i think she is a fantastic lead and it kind of you know she pulls it all together and uh, yeah hugh colber uh wilson cruz in this scene thought it was interesting seeing him as the ship's counselor and falling into that role i thought he fit that really well and played it well stamets didn't really get much to do this mm. season i mean he, he i mean he he is in it a lot because he's helping obviously the main person on the disco end kind of sorting out the anomaly stuff so he's got plenty to do but in terms of personally there's not a mm. massive amount going on with him saru obviously started a romance with tarina who's a vulcan uh in this which was interesting it seemed like um you know i wasn't really expecting a saru romance with a yeah. vulcan and it's I like that kind of, scene you know, between him and and Culver when it's just like yeah but do you have feelings for it because you know saru's trying to like logic his way around it and he's just like ah oh, yes maybe i do actually that's interesting yeah adira tal and gray uh i appreciate those actors and the characters they play I just don't really feel like they've brought a huge amount to the show. Well, it's, it's weird that they 
brought Grey out of, like, you know, the imaginary space. Yeah, and then didn't really made, do anything with him. Made him, him like... Um, a synthetic, like Picard, at the end yeah, of season one of Star Trek. Like, Picard. physically there. And then it still was like, no one else really had scenes with him at all. It yeah, it like, didn't really do anything still feels after a, that. You still feel imaginary, mate. Like, you thought, once, where, like, runs, once he came in, and became, yeah. you thought he maybe would have a big part to play. he but... runs onto the bridge at one point and has some good key info that he yeah. gives to Michael and everything. After that, I can't remember where else yeah. he shows up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought Tarka, as a villain, for me, didn't really work massively. I found him very hateable because I just thought he was a fucking bellend. Yeah. But I thought that it made Book look like a weaker, uh, quite stupid character for following him. Yeah. In terms of, because I was like, the book we're introducing season three seems smarter than this one. It turns out, because I'm like, come on, mate, I know you're fucked up over your planet, but you must be able to see this guy's a maniac. It seemed to take him way too long to cotton on to that fact and to actually do what needed to be done and kind of go against him. I thought Michael kind of forgave him way too easily. Yeah. Be interesting to see, I presumably he will come back for season five. It would be interesting to see if that causes conflict with their relationship at that point or whether it's just forgotten and pushed under the table. I don't know. The show does need one really good villain that isn't just something unknowable. Someone on the level of a calm, but for a discovery season, you know? Well, we kind of had a great villain for one episode in Mirror Universe Archer. Yeah. But the thing is, that was an incredible twist in season one of the show. I mean, absolutely not. I don't think anyone saw that coming. And that I remember that being a real jaw-dropper in the first... Like, it almost seems so long ago now and says, I can't quite imagine them pulling off a twist that amazing in mm. this season. And they didn't. But essentially, once he's revealed, we only get one episode with Mirror Universe Archer, and then he's killed. And I was kind of like, wasn't that a bit of a lost opportunity? Shouldn't he have become, like like a long-running villain, like been in season two as well or something like that. Because... Wait, who? You mean Lorca? Oh, fucking hell. Archer. <laughs> Archer is Scott Bakula and yeah, Enterprise. Yeah. I mean, I would... During that, during that I mean, entire thing, I mean, I'm there going... I mean, that would Archer? that would be a real surprise if Scott Bakula's Archer <laughs> turned up <laughs> now. Mary Universe. He's just like, oh, I never expected this. Like, of all characters. Um, no, yeah, uh, Lorca... Sense. Lorca, I still expect Prime Lorca to come back yeah, at some point. Because the whole thing is, is the whole idea is he disappeared and they don't know where. Well, if he disappeared to the future, he can pop up and be like, you know, oh, hi, guys. So he'd, ha- he'd have to have done that. Otherwise, yeah, he's long dead. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, you know, it's just, yeah, I think, like you say, they need a good big bad yeah. for the next season. It'll be interesting to see where it goes. I'm still in for Discovery. I enjoy watching it. Uh, my good lady wife, she really gets a lot. She is very emotionally engaged with the show. I'm surprised at that. Like, I'm surprised she is into this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She really, really likes this. I mean, and I, uh, I, I see how emotionally engaged she is by it and by the characters. Mm. And it kind of like helps with my emotional engagement <laughs> into the show as well. Because I kind of almost view it through her lens. And I, I do get I think there is a I think there is a warmth to this show. And I think, you know, people like to take the piss about the characters crying and stuff like that. But it's like I think it's quite nice. I just think it's quite a nice 
show. I think it's quite cuddly and everyone's everyone's nice and lovely and supportive yeah. with each other, you know, in terms of that and kind of, you know, you got this. Well, well I watched the, the whole yeah. show on my own, so I fucking... <laughs> Uh, no. <laughs> no, I'm. I mean, at this point, it feels like any new season could be the last. So it's like, obviously, I'm going to keep watching. Okay, okay. Um, it'd be interesting to look into the future ourselves here and be like, does it run for six seasons? Is it seven? Is it five? Will it be so, the classic seven? Will this yeah. be the first of the new shows to hit the classic seven seasons? Obviously, nowhere near as many episodes, but uh, no, <laughs> yeah, that would that would be fun, Captain. Incoming message. Okay, so we're going to beam in now uh, with a newsflash uh, in regards to Star Trek Discovery. We decided to all reconvene because the seismic news that Star Trek Discovery is ending with Season 5 next year. Now, we'll move on to talk about that a bit more in a bit. But before, as we're all going to get together to talk about this anyway, we kind of thought we're putting out our Season 4 review essentially two years late already. <laughs> we may as well bring it bang up to date by discussing the uh, recent news regarding Season 5. We thought that was only right. Mm-hmm. And as Paul had to leave us early during the last recording as they hadn't finished the season as of yet. Um, think you were about six episodes in uh, when we were last recording. Uh, we decided, Sorry. as we were all going to get together anyway, we may as well get your final thoughts on the rest of the season, as I believe you have now fully caught up. Yeah, and I think you sort of alluded to the fact that it was going to, you know, there's a kind of pivotal sort of moment coming up from season episode seven, and it, you know, and so that kind of k- kicks off the like the black half of the series, and yeah, I think that was uh, you know more compelling than the first half, but it, it overall I still found this series a real slog, but you know that I want to talk about the good things. I mean, I was certainly wanted to say that I was um, wrong in the first half of this episode to sort of comment particularly on on Sadiq with Martin Green and, and well the character Michael Burnham like she's one of the strongest things on this show and certainly the second half of the series where it proved that she pulls off an amazing performance you know with what she's given you know it fall into that Rise of Skywalker problem of that like you know you think people are dead and it really sells you on it and, you, and for once you feel something and then they just bring him back from the dead it, they did that like with Free Pio and Chewie didn't they they did it with Book here and I, I thought it was really such a piss yep. see end yeah really annoyed yeah, yeah, I, you know, I agree with you in terms of it was very chewy uh, in that kind of exploding <laughs> ship, and then seconds later, just, oh no, no, he's, he's fine. Yeah, I don't like that e- extend extended celebration hugging scenes as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of that. Um, I mean, there's a lot of that in kind of franchises in in general these days, and people very unwilling to kill their darlings uh, these days in uh, franchise IP, I find. Yeah, there was also that moment where the uh, the lady, the Helms person, was going to basically you know, go on a suicide mission. I was like, that is a terrific end for this character Like, I, in that moment. But I like, before they said it, I was like, ah, oh, the general's just going to volunteer. And when she stood up at the front, I'm like, oh, that's going to be brilliant. That's, that's really subverted my expectations. Then, of course, the general goes, I'll do it. 
and then then of course the general who nobody likes uh you know who's a traitor like survives as well yeah i can't <laughs> believe that they survive i'm like they are literally a nothing character and he's just like i'm like you can kill them it's fine no one cares like yeah they're like no 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 they survive don't worry like all is forgiven and uh yeah i mean people are people are forgiven very easy i mean really book gets let off easy doesn't he yeah what well, things i liked about the the show i Oh, yes, yeah, Stamets. Like I enjoy Stamets. Like you know, I think he was great in the second half of the series. Uh, great to get your final thoughts on the season four. Now, now you finished season four. Will you be continuing to the final season, <laughs> season five? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. Like it's. Well, you, you, uh, you, it's you've come this far. You can't come this far. Come yeah, this far. The, the journey's end. The final I'm. I have. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm relieved it that it's it's going to be the fifth and final because I think it does give them a chance to sort of. You know, have have a sense of finale. You know, wrap it up. I think five's a good number for this this series. It's definitely interesting how they, of course, shot all of season five now. Apart from these little extra bits they're doing to really cap off, aren't they? So it'll be interesting yes. watching season five, knowing it wasn't written or made as the final season until you get towards the back end. I guess. Well, this is a retroactive thing. thing. They have not said cancelled. The word cancelled has not been said in these announcements about season five discovery being the final season however i would say final when you, season right when you filmed an entire season as season five without any acknowledgement that it's the final season and then you do an announcement that it is the final season and you're going to go back to reshoot some portions for extra finality and to do this you're delaying the show until next year I think for that is, guys, the show was cancelled and now they have to go back and shoot some additional scenes to make it the final season. I mean, I don't know how much they're going to shoot, if they're going to shoot an entire finale, like extra finale, or just extra scenes, I don't know. Well, it's in, it's interesting because this, this sort of rebirth of all the Trek stuff, it's it's been in its uh, in its boom era, sort of like the way you know all the... Then the Netflix boom came along when everything was just like, go, 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 green light, green light, green light. Because remember there was a time when Netflix never cancelled anything, and that was kind mm. of the joke. And now it's obviously flipped. So it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting how we've had all these new shows one after another come without any of them ending or being cancelled. And so now if this is the first one, and it was the first one back on the scene, I do wonder whether they're pulling their resources into continuing other ones or will slowly start to drop other ones. I mean, Picard's ending of its own volition yeah. as well. Um, but whether there'll be any more new new shows, like Section Thirty One, is I guess the only one I can think of that could still show up that we don't, that we think is coming. Starfleet Academy else is, is, is the other one that they have. Yeah. So of. whether they'll morph their Star Trek Discovery money into making a Starfleet show, and that's the spin-off from this now. So it's essentially not ending; it's just rebranding, but it is ending as one show. Be like another. Scrubs Med School. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, better. <laughs> um, I, I, I this is the you know the bottom has fallen out of the streaming industry. We, we all know that. We literally suddenly mm. we've gone from like you say a couple of years ago, especially when when the pandemic hit, it was very much all the futures in TV, not not movie uh, movies now, and all this money was pumped into streaming and just. Ridiculous amounts of cash was thrown around. Every single uh, streamer has done like insane, silly money projects for TV, and now 
it's all coming to bite them in the ass because there is not enough money to go around. Netflix, you know, literally sold themselves on just never-ending growth and now they've basically hit a precipice with that and they can't really go any further. And that's happening to all the streamers because obviously Netflix is, you know, one of the biggest. Mm -hmm. Disney Plus is one of the biggest. Even Disney Plus has taken a huge hit recently. It feels like Paramount Plus was almost last out the gate and so they're like (laughs) still in that (laughs) thing. Like, we need shit for this shit. Well, they're all... Paramount Plus have announced that they, they are also really dialing back on their streaming content. We had this thing where Netflix had a big thing a couple of years ago where they were like, we will release... A like a major Netflix film every single week of the year. That isn't going to happen again because there just isn't the money. So the the way I feel about Discovery ending, I kind of think it's a shame in some ways and good in others. Uh, Discovery is something that kind of I, I like the first two seasons very much, and then I feel like three and four. Uh, became consistently weaker so I guess you know if it's on that trajectory then you know it's good to it's good to wrap it up but at the same time I, I enjoy those characters I also feel it's still a show to this day that I mean really hasn't quite worked out what it's going to be I suppose you know this season I feel like we were saying in this episode this season probably gives us the greatest indication of what the show would have been if it had continued on to like the classic seven season Star Trek run um, and I'm not you know hugely keen on that I think that therefore I think making season five the final season will give it a different feel because you know they'll be heading towards something final and I kind of you know hope I think one one of my big problems these last two seasons of Discovery has been it's felt very much playing it safe when there's no need to because there's yeah. multiple Star Trek shows they're in the future you can literally do whatever you want you do continuity be damned because it really doesn't yeah. matter because I think that, that's the biggest that's the biggest uh, disappointment isn't it that they, yeah. they're playing it the most safe when they had the most clean board you know yeah so I say go yeah. all out make season 5 an absolute like fucking bloodbath like you know <laughs> literally make it really hardcore and just like characters dying left right and center and just being like you know you could well but stakes it and luckily luckily everybody's still alive to do that yeah, like, you know, yeah, so they... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean the only thing that worries me is i, I do think I, i'd be really interested i'd be fascinated to know how much they're reshooting in order to make this fast, I think well, I think it's this additional shooting. It's almost like maybe maybe t- you know, putting additional scenes on the end, like maybe not a complete reworking. Yes, well that's exactly so it. Yeah. It could be just you know, I don't know, but it, it feels like that would be a bit of obvious, you know, like yeah. you know, post dubbing where it's sort of like oh clearly just slot that line in to make something else make sense. So yeah, I think it's got to make you know, mean reshooting like you know a finale of just shorts. Yeah, it's not sorts. just going to be Poochie went back to his home planet. <laughs> boop, 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 no, off they no. go. But is yeah, it going to be like the Enterprise finale? I, I just yeah. feel I'm I'm worried in terms of because for me, the pushback to 2024 that's a big delay because basically they'd already filmed all of season five. Like I was expecting when they announced the end of Discovery. But I suppose people could be available. I think that's the trouble again. That's why that's I feel like this season seems to be shot around other people's schedules. I think yes. it maybe explains some of the kind of chopping and changing. So yeah, like I think that's the thing. Perhaps 2024 is like oh we need some more of when are you next free? Oh, next year. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I, like I said, I really do hope 
that it's like a more extensive filming than they're letting on because season five was basically ready to go. I was expecting like a release date of season five to be announced any day now, and now they've pushed it back to 2024. And I hope that is more to do with time to get it right and film the additional material they need to make this a proper finale than just stretching out streaming content because obviously there's going to be a lot of delays to a lot of streaming content this year because not only have all the streamers said they're going to try and basically commission less stuff and stretch things out more tellingly all the MCU shows that we were expected for this year have either been pushed back already or no dates announced there's a ton of MCU shows in production at the moment and it sounds like basically like Secret Invasion, Echo, Ironheart, Loki Season 2 and there's more as well Daredevil. on top of that and literally none of them have had dates announced at the moment and we know that they've all been in production for like a long time and I think a lot of them will get pushed back into next year because not only do they want to stretch their money out but also we've got an impending potential year-long writer's strike potentially which looks yep. very very imminent now which is going to delay things even more so that could have a lot to do with it as well the pushback rather than kind of time to reshoot could be like we need more content to yeah well, like, i just i just want to say or it could be the season five reshoots are like as matt said you know putting in threads that can turn into other shows you know, yeah set, setting up like you know the exit strategy for like you know section 31 show you know that kind of thing so well, that's what Walking like, Dead did recently. Yeah, the Walking Dead TV show that finished uh, recently. They literally they finished the episode, say, or oh, the finale's over, and then apparently it faded out and faded back in, and they basically had. Uh, one scene each for all of the spin-offs they're doing because obviously they've announced like four or five like Walking Dead spin-offs and they literally had like one scene for each of them as almost like previews in your fucking yeah. finale of your show I know like, oh that's it's not a finale it's just a trailer for these other spin-offs you got like, that's everything's amazing. just become like, a massive trailer for the next thing hasn't it yeah, that's the problem yeah exactly I mean you know well, this is Thing. Have we wrapped up like this episode? Which we have to do that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we'll I'll, I'll probably, <laughs> so I'll probably slot this in. I'll, I'll probably just slot this in before we say our actual. Goodbyes. This is the after show. Yeah, like, I'll probably uh, slot, yeah. This, slot this in before we say our actual advice <laughs> because then we give all the usual kind of stuff. So it's fine. I don't think we really need to say. Oh, we don't need to wrap it up. Yeah, goodbye. It's, it's fine. Jesus you know, nice. that worked out well. You got this. It will be interesting to see where it goes. I kind of suppose as an overarching narrative, the show as it stands when it ends is going to have like quite an odd shape because it's kind of, it kind of feels like this is the first season where it's kind of like, oh, is this what the show is? Mm. But if this is what the show is, I'm not sure if that offers enough new to the Star Trek universe at this point. Well, do you remember when we did the episode just looking at the two-part pilot? And it's like, this isn't the show yet, because it wasn't even on Discovery. Yeah, no, it's on the Shenzhou, yeah. And it's just literally... It was a show searching for what it was. It found what it could be, and they abandoned that and did something else. Yeah. And kind of, so, I, I don't know. But As it has kept doing, and now this is maybe the first one that feels like season's ended, next one will pick up, 
There's not been too many seismic changes. This season almost feels like Discovery Season 1, in a way, because the first three seasons, really, up until we get to the point where, because, let us remember, this is the first show, first ever Star Trek show. Uh, obviously, they, they've changed this now, but at this point, this was the first ever Star Trek show to not focus on a captain as the main character. Yeah. Because for the first three seasons, Michael wasn't captain. She became captain at the end of Season 3. And actually, it was the end of season three where it solidified what the show was going to be. When uh, Michael steps onto that captain's uh, chair and says, let's fly, that's where you go, right, it's almost like that's the start of Discovery. Am I happy mm. with that and where it's going? I guess we'll just have to see. So it's been really good to finally catch up with season four of Star Trek Discovery because it's been a long Long time coming. It's been a long road. <laughs> Maybe that's why I mentioned Archer. <laughs> I'm sorry, listeners, it's taken us this long to tackle season four, as I'm sure uh, at some point you've wanted to hear our thoughts on this. But as you say, a good refresher going into season yeah, five. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Season five is just around you, the corner. You've presumably. all had time to percolate on like a year plus of season four. Yeah, so, so use this as your refresher. Uh, for going into season five of Star Trek Discovery. And uh, we're really interested, as always, to hear your own thoughts on this season. You can contact us at Spotlight Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Apparently, from current developments, we can now add back in the joke of if Twitter's still here <laughs> when you listen to the episode, because it sounds like it's going bad again. But who's to say? Musk. I just can't quit you, baby. Must, <laughs> must try and uh, wreck the uh, anomaly and fuck everyone up. Uh, you can contact us at spotlightpod at gmail.com. Uh, literally send us suggestions mm-hmm. for anything you think that we should be covering on the show. Uh, talking about covering things, we are really going to work hard to catch up with all of the new tracks. Uh, now that we've done this, we are going to go straight into Star Trek Strange New Worlds. We have actually booked in the recording session while we've been recording this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know for a fact, listeners, that Paul has already watched all of Strange New Worlds. Season of all. So actually, in this case, uh, he will be fully caught up with that. So that's great. And then after that, we'll be going into Lower Decks Season 3. And then after that, we'll be going into Star Trek Picard Season 3, the final season of Picard, which is literally just about to start. I think it starts, like, next week, or next week as of recording. And, you know, as much as we haven't thought that much of Picard Mm -hmm. up until now, Season 3 is the final season, so we may as well polish it off. And number two, I think, obviously, the fact that not only is all the TNG crew back for Season 3... There's a new showrunner, and the reviews came out today, and they are very, very strong indeed. And lots of people saying, you know, I hated season one and two, but season three is classic Trek. So, you know, we are excited. So until next time, listeners, just remember, you got this. You got this.